0: Hello everyone, and welcome to What's Love, the podcast. We are recording the following episodes during a very unprecedented time in our world, and therefore we cannot get into the studio and record as we normally do. So we want to apologize in advance if there are some aspects of the audio that may sound distorted or in some instances where the quality is not Of the standard that we would like to produce it in however all that is affected is the quality of the recording but not the quality of the content we make it a point that we record and give you information that is vital for your well-being but if the quality of the sound is not your liking we wish to apologize we are all working under less ideal circumstances but we know that we are staying at home for the health benefits of everybody in our country and we are fully committed to staying at home in order to flatten the curve of COVID 19. we hope that you are staying at home too and that you are safe hello and welcome to what's love the podcast this is a podcast series brought to you by Zanga Zurugel and in collaboration with the Soul City Institute for Social Justice.
1: Hi, everyone.
0: Wow, we are back today. I hope you've been doing well. You've been listening to the podcast And you've enjoyed them as much as we have enjoyed uh, producing them for you. We are back again. And today we talk about neighborhood WhatsApp
2: groups.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Let me warn you that this matter is very triggering for me. I have one experience of a WhatsApp group that by the end of it, it made me leave the complex and to go and look for a house. I felt traumatized when I had to go and look for a house. And in the process, I lost my deposit because, wow, ish, this group's. But before uh, I make this my own renting uh, episode, I'm going to introduce you to the legal eagle that I'm always with in this episode, Diniko from Teresa Nowo Legal Advisory. Hi,
1: Diniko. Hi, Label. How are you doing this fine afternoon? Apart from being
0: triggered by. The topic, the letter we received, <laughs> I'm fine. And um, we are not only the two of us today. We've got our, our friend, our sister joining us from Ituseng Credit Solutions, Mahauta
2: Mpasele. How are you, Mahauta? I'm great, Lebu, and I've washed my hands, I've social distance. You are doing everything that needs to be done. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's
0: great. I'm going to rely on you on this one. This This is triggering. For me, we got a letter from a Melanie who's looking for advice. So Melanie tells us that she recently moved into an apartment in a gated community. I we move from where we stay and we get into this apartment. Soon after she moved, she was added to a WhatsApp group. And first weekend, a few friends wanted to know where she stays. And she threw a little thing with them. She alerted uh, her neighbors on the WhatsApp group that she's going to have a little uh, thing going. There is rules that says where the music volume should be. So she complied with all of that. But within the first hour, she sees a message in the WhatsApp group not even to her, from one of the neighbors saying, hmm, the new girl is disgusting. Can you all hear that vile, loud music? It sounds like they are having a party. It's not the small housewarming she told us about. We cannot allow her to spoil our neighborhood. <laughs> Let me tell you, I first need to breathe. So if you are listening and you hear a lot of breathing in this episode, forgive me, I'm, I'm also working through my own issues. Let me start by saying, you know, before we even say, was the music loud, what are the legal, whatever, where does the sense of our neighborhood even come from? What do people mean when you are, they are saying you are spoiling our neighborhood? Who belongs, who doesn't belong? I mean, oh my God, I'm not too sure how we allow more than 20 years into our democracy in South Africa that there are some people who feel so comfortable owning neighborhoods, have you had an experience where people make you feel like you don't belong just as people before we get into
1: the case i mean definitely 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 just walking into certain spaces people already prejudge you just from what you look like and how you dress, and you have to fight to prove that you do belong and and it's, it's a lot it's a lot sometimes it's draining and you quit. You don't want to fight because are they actually even going to change if you fight about this thing? Whoa, Will man. Will they accept
2: you? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've lived quite a lot in these communities. Obviously, it depends on what type of Gated community you live in. I suppose we'll talk about that later. Mm. Uh, but generally, on a personal level, it comes from from all directions. You know, the recent one where I moved out of. I mean, my neighbor uh, was a black woman, but uh, she 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 just Thank looked you. at me and decided that she doesn't like me. She bumped my car. You know, I think she just drove from her house. My car was just parked out, and she bumped it. And she never even came back to say, uh, sorry, I bumped your car. In another community, I'm a single woman, you know, in another community, I moved in and the person didn't know that her colleague at work is my friend. So she went to her colleague and said, wow, there's this black woman who has moved into the complex. She has three cars. Can you believe, can you actually afford to move into this house? And she... (laughs) <laughs> oh my, my God. God. Oh my God, there's a woman complaining about you. She's wondering if you are a drug dealer or something. I mean, for you to be able to move into that complex. So probably like that I was at my you know. So yeah, it does happen that there's a lot of some kind of discrimination. That goes on and people do assess you based on, on things that you, you, you really are not sure of. So I usually keep to myself and I definitely don't join WhatsApp groups. Oh, wow. But where I am now it is a sort of a gated community I mean, there's a boom gate that you have to and there's a community association so i think i like it there is a group chat but only the administrator can post and so far they are posting very relevant thing updating us about crime and things like that in the community so so far so good
0: wow i mean the fact that Three of us have experiences of not feeling welcome. It's something else. But, you know, I digress. So after Melanie has seen this thing in the group that was sent to everybody about how vile she is and how they're not going to allow her to spoil the neighborhood, uh, Mm. the landlord gets told about this vile behavior from Melanie. Now she must explain herself to the landlord. But what is happening is that it has become a weekly thing where the landlord now gets weekly accounts of what she is doing and how she will bring the value of the neighborhood down. Teneko, I'll start with you. Firstly, I want to know, is there a law regulating this WhatsApp groups in general. I mean, I've seen some countries even saying that group administrators will be persecuted for spreading fake news in these groups. What does our law say about WhatsApp groups?
1: Our law says very much similar things like other countries, which is that the group admin is the one who will be in a situation for any inappropriate content that is posted there that they let slide. Because you can't exactly... Mm blame them for what other people are posting. But if they leave it there and they don't correct that behavior and they don't curate the group appropriately, then they're the ones who are liable for the actions of that person because it seems as though they are encouraging the said harassment, especially in in Melanie's case. The posts in the WhatsApp group are are targeted harassment. They'd not necessarily post about fake news. Um, Like what we've been Hearing lately about how if someone is spreading fake news in a, in a WhatsApp group, the admin will be in trouble. It's not a situation of fake news. It's a situation of unchecked, targeted harassment. And no one is speaking for uh, Melanie or even just correcting the other person and saying whether this is correct or not. So the admin would be the one who is in trouble.
0: That's interesting because I'm admin on a number of groups, uh, some family groups. But I'm just wondering whether in these complexes... Uh, because i remember when i joined you know nobody the rules like this is the time when we post i was just edit and people would discuss different things so what is the role of the admin in order to make sure particularly in groups like community whatsapp group? where, you know, it's everybody. Sometimes you don't know people. What is the role of the admin? What are you supposed to do just to make people aware of, you know, are there rules? Must admins now have rules that they make
1: everybody who joins the group know? Yeah, definitely. The admin must let alert everyone of the rule. If they feel that the group is so big that they cannot possibly be able to curate uh, most of the content that is there, then they should make a disclaimer to say, you know, that that the things that are posted there are not the views and the reason that the the group was created for. It was created to speak about issues that specifically affect people living in that community, you know, in Melanie's case. So things such as crime and all the other things and relevant complaints, not malicious complaints. Because if he lets malicious complaints slide, that means he's allowing, you know, Melanie to be defamed, you know, unfairly Mm
0: -hmm. without Mm -hmm. her
1: having to speak for herself. You know, because this leaves a a bad stain on her because this neighbor is also contacting the landlord. The
0: landlord. Yes. Mm. Yeah. I heard you say targeted discrimination because my question was, what do we call what is happening to Melanie? Is it harassment? Is it like, what can she do? But I heard you saying it's targeted harassment.
1: Explain to us what that is. Yeah. Yeah. So the reason it's targeted harassment is that it's goal oriented towards this particular person so that they leave the neighborhood so that it can go back to whatever ve- views this particular person has of what people living in the community should be like. Perhaps the neighbor doesn't like the idea that Melanie is a young woman who, do- who didn't come to this neighborhood with a family, so she doesn't fit into the you know, family lifestyle of everyone here. And so she can't do, I don't know, little community events with them, and and they have their kids play together, you know, because she's still young, and this is probably like her first rental or things like that. But she still has time to to enjoy and not necessarily settle down. And they don't want their neighborhood to be seen or changed into a perceived hip neighborhood. They want to keep it as a family orientated neighborhood. So that's why it's that targeted is wrong. Right? That
2: is wrong. Okay. It. It is- yeah, Can I also comment on that label? Yeah. Uh, uh, what is happening is that most of these gated communities could either be a, a sectional title or free title uh, estate where there are rules of how disputes should be dealt with. So in this case, it's very clear that the, the WhatsApp group is not even complying with the dispute process that is outlined in the rules. Because, for example, where I lived, the rule was that if, for example are making noise and somebody is not happy they should come to me and ask me maybe to lower the volume and so we try and resolve between ourselves and then if we don't resolve between ourselves the person who is not happy should lodge a formal dispute with the association or the body corporate so obviously uh, the whatsapp group is not the correct forum to be dealing with what Melanie could be doing that they think is wrong so They must comply with the rules around how disputes are resolved.
0: That's a very useful one, Mahauta, because it leads me to my next question that I have. You know, many of us, when we move into these complexes or gated communities, we firstly do that for safety. eh? They market themselves as, you know, we are safe here. And they even market their rules around... Mm -hmm. Because if you are in a freestanding house, the normal things about not being a nuisance apply. You know, you are not going to just be a nuisance. Uh, We assume that you will respect your neighbors in terms of even, uh, you know, um, whether you put garbage outside or whatever, but but more or less. But it does what they want in their yards, but other things are common. You are not going to go out and fight with um, your neighbors. But we particularly move into those gated communities because they sell us safety. So when we go in, they especially when you are saying, uh, uh, you know, it's governed by a body corporate, they will. Yeah us some rules. And in fact, when you are renting, they even make, it, make signing these rules a condition of acceptance. They are part of your contract. There's no way you can move in and you haven't signed as part of your contract, but So number one, we just sign because I've got a contract. I'm happy I got the place. I paid my, my deposit and all of that. But let's assume that you go and you read, you know, the copy or as you stay there, you find that some of the rules that are there, even after you've signed, are unfair. Let's say... It does not matter whether you've signed or not signed, but you read the rules and they are unfair. Can you ask for some of these rules to be revised? Because I, I, I'm i asking this because I, I assume that people can sometimes make a rule to keep some people out. Like saying this is family oriented. What is family? Are they going to allow two gay men with children in there? Are they going to allow single people who are two sisters in there? Because they are a family. Can you ask for the rules to be revised when you think they are unfair? And if you can, what is the
2: you know, the way you go about it? Um, You would have to write to the body corporate to indicate what you are not happy with. And if uh, they don't agree with you and you feel that you want to escalate the matter. Fortunately, in 2011, there was a new act that was introduced in South Africa that was not there before. That act is the Community Schemes Ombuds Service Act. Number nine of 2011. And that act is there to regulate the relationship. Uh, the conduct of body corporates and other forms of corporates uh, in these gated communities because previously there was little regulation and there was basically nowhere to go if people were not happy with how these uh, entities conducted themselves. So there is an avenue to escalate if that is necessary.
0: Wow, that sounds quite interesting that even the law has come in to regulate them because I can just imagine... the various forms of discrimination that were taking place where people are just doing what they need to do or what they want to do, which is very, very interesting. And and towards the end, we will share uh, numbers with our listeners because, Mahauta, my incident happened long after 2011. You said the law came in place 2011?
2: Yes, the act is uh, 2011. So it's fairly uh, a new act. It took some time for the CSOS, which is the the Ombuds Scheme itself to be established, but currently it is established and it is operational and they are definitely dealing with complaints that are related to what we are talking about today.
0: I'm glad it exists and we need to share that information with our listeners because, as I said earlier on, you know, when I read Melanie's story, I was like, oh my goodness, you are taking me back to what I experienced in 2018. And I did not even know this information. I had faced so much harassment that all I did was to leave and lose my deposit. Mm. I used to go to the shop and as I leave the yard, I can hear other neighbors' dogs barking. But I wouldn't have even arrived at the shop. And I lived in a place that had a few shops around me. So I could just walk. Literally, you walk out of the complex, you are by the traffic lights, you cross over, there's a shop. I would not have crossed over. Where four people would send me WhatsApps saying your dog is barking. At some point, we even said with my son, maybe the day this dog speaks in Setswana, when I leave, the notes will stop. Because what must the dog do? <laughs> it barks. Yeah. But I'm aware that I've not left the complex for three minutes. But guys, this is not about me. This is about Melanie. <laughs> I yeah. you and
1: Melody are in a in a in a similar situation because Melanie didn't break any rules. She stayed within a mandate volume, you know, for hosting anything in in her home, right? And Mm -hmm. where you were living, there was no rule against having dogs. So Mm -hmm. if you were in a complex where there was a rule against having pets, then complaints about your dog barking would make sense, you know? Because in this neighborhood, people, for whatever reason, they could be, they don't want to have pets around, you know? I mean, some of them Mm -hmm. could actually even be health reasons, you know? So they can be justified in having a community where they don't want people who live there to have pets um, living with them or Mm. if you're living maybe let's say second floor third floor they don't allow you to have pets you can have pets if you're in the ground floor what they can't do though is say that this neighborhood is only for family because this is discrimination based on a particular person's status you know Mm. and any form of discrimination is not allowed in the country, so they can't even discriminate against a um, a gay family. But what would happen then if a gay family moved in and was in Melanie's situation? This person would do something similar, you know, nitpick on things and then send them in the group to defame them and make it uncomfortable so that they leave, much like you did, instead of taking it through the right chain of command. Um, like what Mahauta just said, which is you know, complain to the person who who heads the body corporate there Um, and then if they Mm -hmm. if they do nothing about it that's when then okay if you're renting you start off by complaining to your tenant so that your tenant can take it up with the body corporate right but if it's your house then you outright straight go into that if that doesn't work then you could also try to mediate the situation you know any form of dispute resolution method between you and your neighbor to see what the problem is but if you can see that there's an impasse and the person actually doesn't want you in in this neighborhood that's when then you go to the ombuds or if you have the financial muscle you can go to court and sue them for defamation of character and ask them to apologize
0: (laughs) you know we even had in my case, my landlord joining the WhatsApp group. At some point, like Mahauta said, I left the WhatsApp group because Mm. I was just feeling that Mm. people are tone deaf, you know, in the Mm. way that they respond. One day my son went out and the, the gate was malfunctioning. And so we didn't realize that it didn't close. And we were all aware that the gate was malfunctioning. And somebody posted in the group some people want to get us killed. Like, which people want to get you killed? Like... How do you get to a point where somebody presses a button? Yes, there was a, 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 a message that said the gate is malfunctioning. Uh, when After you've pressed, they just check if it closes because it sometimes gets stuck. This is a child who did not check. How do we move from that to some people want to get us killed? But anyway, as I said, it is not my episode. It is Melanie's episode. Melanie is now a tenant and she's a new tenant and her landlord keeps on getting these reports of her behavior. My Is in a very difficult position as a tenant, particularly where it relates to their relationship. What are her rights in this case?
2: Uh, Look, the relationship between a tenant and a landlord is regulated by the Rental Act. One of the key issues in the Rental Act is that you as a tenant must have uninterrupted enjoyment of the space that you have rented. So the landlord's access to the unit is restricted and also your privacy is protected. And also, obviously, that is then uh, cascaded into the, the agreement between the landlord and the tenant. There would be issues there in terms of how how the two of you must interact with each other engage with each other and how you must deal with disputes and some of those issues are also regulated by the consumer protection act
1: go? well just to add as 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 the landlord what you should do is find out from your tenant what the situation is and then also go speak to the person who's complaining, right? Because you're really? still trying to follow the rules that you have to follow in the property. So that's why you are seeing a problem here. You think this person's breaking the law um, of the particular complex or gated community. So you find out what the situation is and then you make an informed decision based on that, right if you feel that this is a situation where you can't have this tenant here anymore either for their safety or because you believe the neighbor then you have to legally cancel the lease and you you have to uh, notify your tenant in advance that you're you're, you're cancelling the lease and they need to find a new place to stay and you give them reasonable time you can't just kick them out and make anyone um, homeless. It's illegal to make any person homeless in the country Uh, even if they haven't paid you rent for five months if you kicking them out results in them being homeless it's actually illegal to do that um, especially without a court order. So that's what the tenant can do. Try to mediate the situation. If the situation cannot be mediated sorry, then, then the tenant should Just advise the landlord that she possibly wants to, you know, file uh, charges against whoever it is that's harassing her. Because I think that would be the best solution because this is harassment. File charges against the person who is harassing her um, so that she can get an apology and her name is cleared and so is the landlord's name cleared so that's a win-win situation for everyone and the person stops bullying her and anyone else in the community who who may have thought bullying is acceptable will now know that bullying is not acceptable because the person is protected moreover by the law not just the boy corporate rules.
0: Dineko you've said there's a number of scenarios you've painted Mm. and and I Take them down slightly slower because a lot of the things that you, in my view, work well in paper, like food is a long process. You want to go home to a place where you are happy and you are safe. So what mm. the landlord understands is that you are saying, landlord, go find out from your tenant and go and find out from the person who complains. OK, and mm. try and come to some solution. That seems doable. The suing part, I am not sure. I, I want to be interested in what everybody else then can do and who takes responsibility for it. So you are saying, landlord, you cannot ask the tenant to go. You cannot believe your neighbors and then ask this tenant to go without giving them reasonable notice and time?
2: 20 Uh, business days in terms of the Consumer Protection Act. If you want to cancel a lease, Mm -hmm. you have to give the tenant 20 business days notice and give them the opportunity to correct the behavior. If within that time frame they don't correct uh, the behavior, then you can proceed to cancel the lease if you feel you have a a valid reason like Tineko has said. So you cannot just wake up up and cancel the list, the EZIP process that you need to follow.
0: So that process, Mahauda, what is it? A formal letter that goes to to uh, that says I intend cancelling the lease. Must you provide reasons why you are cancelling the lease?
2: You have to uh, say to them, it has come to my attention that you are breaking the body corporate rules. I'm giving you 20 business days to correct that. Mm. Uh, And if the, the tenant then corrects and stops doing. What they were doing, then it's the end of the story. It's okay. only it's only if they don't comply with the demand, then you can proceed to the next step. Yes, you have to outline what is it that you are not happy with and link it to your lease agreement because the lease agreement is also your rule book in terms of how things must be dealt with.
0: Okay. All right. That is clear. Let's assume there are two scenarios here because it's not like Melanie wants to go. Let's assume Melanie is so frustrated that she doesn't pay rent the following month and she says to the Lord, you know what? I had to spend 2 weeks away because this harassment was too much or I had to go and seek psychological help because of the harassment. Is she in within her right to do that to the whole rent
2: because of the harassment?
1: No, the not. tenant yeah no. <laughs> yeah okay. it's, a, it's a it's a definite no because the person who's harassing her is not her landlord. If it was the landlord directly doing something wrong, a reason where uh, that that people can understand where you would withhold rent is if maybe something is broken and needs fixing, and the t- and the landlord refuses to fix it, then you withhold the rent. Okay. So that they can come and fix it, and then then you pay them. But your withholding of the rent does not mean you spend the money withholding the rent means you have it you've put it away somewhere so that when the act is done you can immediately transfer the money so okay. you you must keep it with you in this case she can't withhold the rent. She would okay. have to make a claim to the neighbor who's harassing her to pay her for, for all of the psychological bills that she's incurred, but not the landlord.
0: OK, now let's assume she then decides to move out. So she did not get a 20 day a, a letter that gives her 20 days to correct whatever behavior is. She's so harassed. She wants to move out. Is she allowed to get her deposit back? She signed a 12-month contract. This happens in month two. And she decides, you know what? I'm not going to stomach this. And maybe one meeting with the tenant happened but she feels she's not going to do this what then can she expect her deposit back when she
2: leaves there are rules that uh, regulate when and uh, when and under what circumstances and what the deposit must be used for yeah. so a lease agreement is basically a fixed term contract mm-hmm. and in terms of the law uh, the landlord cannot cancel unless they have gone through the process that we have explained mm the tenant the lease agreement will regulate how and when they can vacate so let's say by law you have to give one month's notice mm-hmm. so so you are terminating before the end of the term. So if you are That's terminating it. before the end of the term, you are allowed to do that. But the landlord has the right to charge a termination fee, and that is where a lot of disputes come in because yeah. some landlords would want to charge you. Uh, let's say you you terminate in month three, seven months. That's not what the law says. The law yeah, says explain that the the law says they must charge you a reasonable termination uh, penalty. So reasonable, it means for example, if you are giving notice for one month, the landlord must show that they took to find another tenant. So if they do find another tenant during that time, they cannot charge you rent for seven months. They can then charge you the, advi- the advertising costs that they had to and care for them to advertise for a new tenant. So that would be reasonable termination penalties. Your deposit is a separate thing. The deposit has to be Refunded one if no entry inspection was done, mm. the deposit has to be given back. So, the rules around deposit is that there must be a joint entry and exit inspection. Uh-huh. And out of that inspection, if there are things that were originally ticked as being okay when you entered and they are not okay when you exit, then they can withhold a portion of the deposit to fix whatever needs to be fixed. If everything is fine, then you you are entitled to your deposit. But what also tenants are not allowed to do is to use the deposit as rent for the last month. So because some people would say, I'm not paying because I'm moving out. You are not allowed to do that. You must pay your rent and then the deposit has to be paid after you have exited and an exit inspection was conducted. And if there are any other monies that you are owing, valid monies that you are owing to the landlord, not, they can deduct them from the deposit. For example, when you exit, there might be electricity bills, water bills that you have not. That would have to be deducted, but they cannot just say you are moving out and I'm going to withhold your deposit. No, you have to pay rent for that month and go through the normal process of determining what amount of the deposit is due to you.
1: Just to just to continue, just one more point on the deposit: whatever deposit amount that you give to your landlord should Mm. not be the exact same amount you get back when you leave, because what they supposed to do is put that deposit in an interest bearing account and all of Mm -hmm. the interest accrued on it goes to you. They can't just keep the money for themselves, you know, so it's a way to ensure, to regulate, to ensure that this deposit money is used wisely for the purposes um, of the things that were mentioned by Mahauta, such as um, repairs, if any repairs need to be done. Or if you abscond, you know, that would be you forfeiting your deposit because you've absconded. Okay,
0: I like that a lot. Now, here's a situation. You are saying that the, you, there's a, an inspection when you can, yeah. There's an inspection when you leave. Mm. What happens if they say this is broken and you agree there's a cracked window, there is this? Are you entitled for them to show you the receipts of the things that they fixed? Or can they just say, well... There were three things broken. We are keeping your deposit.
2: No, but they do have to submit uh, invoices Mm. and quotations that they did. So there's a quotation and there's an invoice that gets paid. But remember that you also have the option to fix yourself before the inspection is done. But if you don't do that Mm. and exit their things, then they, they are accountable. They have to be accountable. They have to give you that information. If you require it.
0: Okay. So that there, there must be some record keeping on the side, including how much interest your money has earned.
2: Mm. Yes. Can I just say something about the interest? Uh the interest depends on who is handling your rental. If the deposit was paid into the landlord's account, then your the interest is due to you. But if there is an estate agent that is registered with the estate agency affairs board. That interest would then go to the estate agency affairs board because they are responsible also for dealing with some of the disputes between uh, estate agents and consumers. So you must check in in your lease agreement, it will indicate how your deposit will be treated, whether you will get the interest or not, because that is also a regulated process. So people must check. Wow,
0: you know how many times I've not checked. I'm just here and I'm like, oh my goodness, maybe me and Melanie must be friends. We seem like we have the same issues. <laughs> and when when, when I, I've, I've never asked for people to give me receipts, I've known and I and I know the clauses where it says um, you you'll get interest. I never follow that up. And all of that, you know. Sometimes it's not the lack of money that puts us in trouble financially; it's the lack of knowledge. Because mm-hmm. I'm of a few places where I must send them a little note to say, "Where's my invoices? I want to see what you fixed." Yeah, but this information is very um, empowering. So let's talk about places where people can go for help. And um, you, you did say, Diniego, um, earlier that Melanie can sue. And, and my assumption is that, you know, suing and going the legal route and finding a lawyer may be a little bit cumbersome and expensive. You spoke of an act, Mahautam, that was In 2011, Mm. where do people go when they've got housing problems, home problems, problems with landlords, and and similar to the ones that Melanie has? Where do people go for help and what can they expect?
2: Let's talk about disputes between landlords and tenants. There there are what we call rental tribunals in most I think if not, they fall under the Department of Human Settlement. Mm -hmm. So the rental tribunals are free for tenants and landlords. So either the landlord or the tenant can lodge a dispute with the rental tribunal. Mm. Uh, If the tenant is withholding rent, is not paying on time, is not doing what they are, the landlord can lodge a complaint against the tenant. If the tenant is not happy with the landlord, maybe feel the rent is excessive, the, the landlord is not maintaining, or any other things that uh, the landlord is not doing in terms of the lease agreement, they can approach the rental tribunal. So the rental tribunal, they will first start by mediating, trying to help you to resolve the complaint. But mm-hmm. then you don't, there is a rental tribunal that can make a decision, a binding decision uh, against the landlord. And one of the issues that the tribunal deals with a lot is also because, like Tinuko said, they cannot lock you out without a court order. A landlord cannot stop your electricity or water because you are in arrears with rent. Those things the tribunal also deals with. So that process is free. And then when it comes to community schemes, your body cooperates and so on, there is the community scheme ombud services where you can also lodge a dispute and they, with those types of complaints. Where do people find the, the latter one? Uh, I think they have uh, branches in a few provinces, but there is one in Gauteng. They do have a website, www.csos.org.za. And then the telephone number is 10 533 They are based in St. And then you, there's an email also info at csos.org. Okay.
0: So I guess for email, even the website, people can find out where outside of Houtang they can go or even call the number.
2: Yeah. And then with regard to the rental tribunal, uh, most of the rental tribunals, you have to go yourself personally. So okay. most of the municipal offices have a rental tribunal within the municipal office where you pay your electricity and water. Mm-hmm. Or if not, you can contact any Department of Human Settlements. They will be able to direct you to the rental tribunal nearest to you. So those, it's better to go yourself physically. Okay.
0: Now let's ask the question that is my anxiety point. How long do these
2: Hey. Well, I was a mediator at the at the rental tribunal, and remember that it's a free uh, thing. It can take, you know, because when you go there, there is an official who will receive your complaint, and and sometimes depending on the type of complaint, for example, lockout, electricity cut offs, and so on, are taken as agent. So. You can get a letter same day and the others can take uh, between a month and three months, depending on the type of issue.
0: Okay, you say you can get a letter. What does that letter say? What kind of a letter is it?
2: If it's a lockout or electricity cutoff, remember that by law, you are not allowed to do that unless you have a court order. So the letter would basically be saying to the landlord, they must uh, reinstate or open up the property immediately because they are definitely breaking the law. But at Mm -hmm. the same time. Tenants are also advised they have to pay rent. They are not allowed to withhold rent. But sometimes somebody might have a valid reason why they cannot pay rent. Luckily, during this lockdown, no one is allowed in terms Mm -hmm. of the regulation. yesterday. No one is allowed to be evicted during the time of the lockdown.
0: Okay, so they are asking for they they are applying the law, but they are also asking for both parties to be reasonable. Yes. Conduct. So you can't just withhold rent because you don't like your tenant or your landlord. No, you can't. And, and then rent- you just say, but the law says I can't be
2: evicted. There's no valid reason why you are not paying rent. Yes, and usually at the rental tribunal, they will uh, sit down the landlord and the tenant and assist them to come to an arrangement. So definitely an assessment of your situation will be done to see why are you not paying rent, and then an arrangement will be made.
0: Now, Mahauta. You know, here's a situation with many landlords and tenants. Both of them are under pressure from somewhere. Let's assume your tenant loses a job and you were relying on their rent to pay your bond mm. and they can pay. What is the reasonable notice period? Because I assume if you are paying a bond, you also cannot not pay bond. What is the reasonable notice that you can give? Also, can somebody... Three months, six months. What I'm asking is, at what point are you then allowed to go and get an eviction order? Or can you just say, listen, you haven't paid, you have been unemployed. Or you've lost your job, I'm going to ask you to leave. Can a person just stay there and just not leave?
2: Unfortunately, it happens because the law says you can only evict with a court order. So a a good tenant will say, Yes, I cannot pay and I will leave. Uh, But someone else might say, I have nowhere to go. Remember, Tinyuko did say that you cannot make somebody homeless, and that that is the law. So unless you have Stood in front of a judge and the judge has given you that permission after considering the circumstances of that tenant. So unfortunately, it's either the tenant will voluntarily leave to say, you know what, I can't pay rent, I'm going to leave and you allow them to leave. But some mm-hmm. will say I have no way to go, or some can just be stubborn. And unfortunately, you do have to get a court order.
1: Those court order, sadly, you're not going to get a court order to evict this person because they're unemployed uh, and they've told you that they have nowhere else to go. (laughs) So... Unless you can prove that the person does have family somewhere close by that can take them in, then you're going to stay with this tenant until they find another job or they leave your property. And unfortunately for you, there's nothing you can do except for make an arrangement with your bank and maybe try and get them to understand the situation. Because there is a criteria before the courts are allowed to evict someone and the basis of that criteria is that the person cannot be homeless and if maybe your dispute has nothing to do with the person uh, being unemployed and the person hasn't been paying but they're not unemployed and you don't know why they're not paying then when you go to court you need to go to court with evidence of alternative accommodation in the area that they can get which is within the price range of the apartment or the house that you were renting them and also is similar to to the property that you were renting them if you can't prove that there is alternative accommodation for this person to go to, you're not going to get a court order granted, unfortunately.
0: You're going to have to go a little bit slow for a non-legal person like myself. Now somebody works, they decide they are not going to pay Makauta, but they work. They live in this area, they work, nothing happened. I will Mm. still get a court order until I have found them alternative accommodation.
2: No, if they can afford to pay the rent and they are just being, I don't know, malicious in not paying the rent, you will get your order because they can afford to pay rent somewhere. I think what Tinugo is talking about is somebody who does not have income and they can prove that there is no income to pay the rent
1: no 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 Mahauta, the, um, the, the law says that you need to prove so you're not necessarily finding them an apartment where they're going to live but you need to prove to the court that they're not going to be homeless when they grant the eviction even though they can they do have money to pay you and they're not pay. It. so you're showing them that you're kicking this person out because they're not paying you they have means to pay you and they won't be homeless because there are this many places that they can go to that are within the surrounding area you you know, because if they catch this person out and there aren't places within the surrounding area, within the similar price range and, and similar property, then you've made a person homeless because they might not be able to afford the other properties in that area. And if they go to a different area, they lose out on so many other things. Maybe they're there because that's the closest they can get to work, which is in an affordable yeah. range for them.
2: Yeah, I mean, so, there yeah. are also other mm-hmm. issues like uh, children going to school. School In the, in that yeah. local community, it's in the middle of the school year and they cannot just up and leave. But I'm just saying that the, what I wanted to say, that the courts would also not allow people just to willy nilly not pay rent if they can afford <laughs> to pay rent. So there are yeah. circumstances that the court would at. Like, you know, do you have young children going to a a school nearby? The issues that Tinyoko have raised. But I don't think the courts would just allow somebody just to stay in your property when they can afford to pay rent and they are not paying it.
0: Yeah, because I think that is what I was worrying about. If I am going to be saying this person is paying me a hundred rands rent, they are not paying, they are still working, there's a place next door that can pay hundred rents, there's another place where they can pay hundred rents. Mm. I ask myself going on here. Because if they're yeah. the hundred rands, why must I demonstrate that there's not unless if I'm the one that wants them to go for whatever fallout we have had. Yeah. <laughs> I'll say no, no, no. In the, in our area, I'll give them their deposit, but all I want is for them to go. But I guess what you are saying is that people who can evict. It's only the
2: courts. It's only the law. Yes, you have to have a court. And I think one advantage with the rental tribunal is because they have a mediation step, they will call the landlord and the tenant, sit them together in one room with a mediator, and then they can enter into a settlement agreement. And that settlement agreement, if necessary, can be made an order of the tribunal, which becomes binding on both parties. Most people, even lawyers, they, they advise people to go through the tribunal process. It's free and you can enter into settle, uh, settlement agreements that can also be made binding. So in that process, you negotiate with your tenant and you, like you said, you can I'll give you your deposit back. Please go away because then you will be calculating what you would spend if you had to go and get an eviction order. Mm, And those are expensive. Yeah, so the tribunal is there for you to negotiate and get a voluntary settlement in place. And a lot of tenants will say, it's not that I don't want to leave. Give me two months or three months, I will go. So those are the types of things you negotiate at the tribunal.
0: Okay. I think that gives me a bit of comfort. The first stop is to go to a, a tribunal. It is a free service and you will mediate. So there aren't expensive legal costs and you can both be uh, reasonable in what you negotiate with each other. You know, you, you can discuss. And, and mm. I think the presence of a mediator, what you've said, for me, makes sense uh, because you also sometimes want to avoid the emotions that get into some of these discussions when you are not with a mediator or a trained person. Knows the law, so that is um, useful. And and I guess if that doesn't work, or the, the 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 tenant or the landlord doesn't pitch, then that's when you can probably have a, a, a more legal, a rigorous legal process. But it does sound like at this point in time, the tribunal for issues between landlords and tenants is important. Mahauta, please remind us of the name of the other one when it is communities. It's community schemes ombuds service. CSOS Community Schemes Ombuds Service. Yes. Okay. CSOS. Yes. That- I'm very happy, and and I find that quite important because outside of the tenant uh, landlord disputes, I think there has been a lot of issues with these communities, subtle racism, discrimination, intimidation, harassment, like Melanie's case, and I hope in Is she's got no uh, joy from the landlord who you said can go to even the the, the other uh, complainants uh, on the WhatsApp group to find out and probably just try to sort it out. But if that doesn't work, uh, I hope this uh, community services Ombuds uh, will be able to help uh, Melanie. But I hope that there are conversations in these communities about just some sensitization around You know, discrimination and sometimes how people come out in a manner that is not appropriate. But I think we are a a country in experiment in a sense that we are only learning to live with each other uh, for less than 30 years. Maybe we must be a little bit more patient. So yeah,
2: thank you guys. Any last thoughts from you, Mahouda? I just wanted to say a lot of the time we get excited about buying a property. We don't check whether it's a sectional title. A sectional title has its its own rules. Communities have rules. You must check the rules. Yeah, you must check if you are comfortable living in that kind of community and don't just sign anything and also inform yourself about how the dispute process work and where you need to go in case you are not happy with how the body cooperate or any responsible party within that uh, gated community deals with your issues. So it's important to do your homework before you even go in. Yeah. When you are buying, hey? Yeah. Mm. Even when you are renting, read Mm. your agreement, understand your rights and your responsibilities, understand where you need to go if there are problems.
0: Yeah, that's very useful. And many of us don't read some of these clauses. We are too happy to get the lease and sign. Mm. Yeah. Any last words from you, Um Dinigo?
1: Neighbor law really does protect everyone in um, whether you're in a gated community or a sectional title or a townhouse or just a normal neighborhood. You should be living in a fairly cordial manner with all of your neighbors and if ever you feel that one of them is is treating you unfairly and that is negatively impacting on your health uh, and your person, then the first thing you should try to do is have a conversation with them. If that doesn't work, then try the mediation route, you know, and try to see if you can work around that if all if you've tried everything and it still doesn't work then you will have to go through the processes that we've discussed you know because it has nothing to do with you being a bad neighbor but it has more to do with you being in an unwanted space and unfortunately Mm -hmm. in order to take over that space and cement yourself because this is your home you will have to fight to stay in that space rather than um, let the person who's harassing you win Mm
0: -hmm. yeah that's that's very useful it's unfortunate that we've got to have this conversation but i guess as i said earlier we are learning to live with each other but also we are also learning to assert our rights i think what you are talking about is the right uh, and Mahauta mentioned others around your own privacy that just because somebody's Mm a They can't just decide when they are driving past that I'm going to go in, you know, and and see the place. And similarly, your neighbours cannot just treat you like you don't matter or your rights don't matter because they've got some rules in their neighbourhood, as they normally say.
2: Mm. It's
0: been amazing pleasure talking to you. And I'm sure that our listeners are going to benefit uh, so much from this. As I said earlier, uh, and you realized, Melanie and I should be friends because I think we expect similar issues and I needed help like Melanie needed help. And, and, and I'm grateful to have Mahauta and Teneko to just explain these things for us. Here's what you can expect on the next episode of What's Love, the podcast. So just at the beginning of the lockdown, um, one of the concerns that many raised was the fact that although to make sure that people become safe, is that people must remain at home. But for many women, remaining home means that you remain home with your abuser. So one of the critical issues that we raised was how women are going to survive the lockdown and children in homes where there is abuse. And one person who is at the cold face of it, apart from the fact that she was laughing at me just now, <laughs> Mandisa Kanyile, who is from Rise Up uh, Against Gender-Based Violence. Welcome, Mandisa, and thank you for being with us. Thank you for welcoming me, Lebo. I look forward to a great conversation. So, Mandisa, even... Before the lockdown, you have been involved with the struggle to eradicate gender-based violence in South Africa. You were quite involved in organizing the total shutdown. Can you just give us a sense of how big the problem of gender-based violence is in South Africa and why it is such a big concern for you?
1: Look, South Africa has five times the global average uh, when it comes to instances of gender-based violence in the world. So whilst other countries are averaging maybe 50 per 100,000, we average 250 per 100,000, and that's just reported incidences. South Africa is the leader when it comes to child abuse globally. No one abuses more children than us, according to statistics. And obviously when it comes to rape, um, we rape more women than some countries that are actually currently at war so it's, it's 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 quite interesting that a country that's supposed to be democratic and at peace has these kind of really violent statistics when it comes to gender-based violence
2: so
0: that's it folks we hope you enjoyed listening to us you can follow us on insta and on twitter and our handle is at what's love underscore podcast and also on Facebook, on What's Love Podcast. And you can also send us a note on WhatsApp. And the number to use is 061-535-4623. I hope that you join our WhatsApp group. I hope that you join our social media pages because, hey, we've got another surprise for you. We have started giving away airtime vouchers to reward you for your engagement. So keep an eye on our social media accounts and make sure that you don't miss questions that we will be posting based on the most current episode. Last week, we gave away a hundred grand airtime voucher to one of our listeners and we will continue to do so. To stand a chance of winning a voucher for listening and engaging with What's Love, the podcast, all you have to do is to keep in touch and please let us know your views. Our WhatsApp page is a safe space for people to ask questions. And you have dinye Kombenze, who comes from Tirisanawe, legal advisory, who gets into the podcast. is a member of the WhatsApp group who will give you some advice. A lot of people are using that platform, and they are asking questions. There is never a stupid or invalid question. If you have a matter like Melanie and others that you would like us to, us to discuss here on What's Love, you can email us on zangazulugel at gmail.com and we will try and ask our legal eagle, Dineko, to help you with any information that you need. From us, this is it. Enjoy your day. Please note that the views expressed in this podcast do not represent the views of the Soul City
1: Institute for Social Justice.